going to be great with your heart open ready to receive amen praise the lord hope everybody's hello come on there we go hope everybody is doing well tonight i'm doing well in fact that worship was very good i just was basking in the presence of god and tonight we're going to be talking about the anointing and realizing the power of Jesus and his presence. You know, it's just something about that name. It's just so powerful. So, anyhow, I'm kind of in that in-between place because Pastor Ken kind of kicked us off into that direction with that prophetic anointing. And, uh, you know, talking about baptisms, I was talking to Prophet Norm on the phone yesterday. We talked a long time. And he was telling me there's a church in North Georgia that is having baptisms every Sunday night. And they're baptizing hundreds. They're coming from all over just to get baptized there. And they said... They have two poles now, one in one side of the front of the church and one on the other side because they were doing baptisms and it was taking them from like 8.30 to like 2 a.m. in the morning. There were so many people coming. And But what happens is they have testimonials come out and also when they go in the water, miracles are happening. People are being filled with the Holy Spirit to overflowing. It's just amazing you know, what's going on. And uh, the Pensacola Brownsville revival was like that too. I remember watching some of their baptisms and I mean people were just like fish flopping all over the place. You know, as the Holy Ghost hit them. How many know the Holy Spirit's very powerful? He can be very gentle too, but His power is so awesome and great. If you ask for it, I don't know that you can handle it. But we ask for it anyway, don't we? We ask for the Holy Spirit to come and to be available. Of course, He lives in us, but there is a special work of the Holy Ghost that takes place that really moves people too. Here's a statement for you tonight, and I'll see where the Lord takes us. But in worship, there are trigger songs. I don't... That's what I call them, so I thought I'd write that down and let you know about it. But there's trigger songs. It's like, it's like something that propels us into a realm of the Holy Spirit that is just awesome. And, uh, you know, it, it opens up the heavenlies to the awesome presence of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. You know, those songs do. That's why I enjoy Zach playing the keyboards on Wednesday night. There's something about that instrument and just the flow. There's such a flow. And I don't know how many went through Spirit Academy. I had that for 26 weeks one time. And this place was half full, you know, with people. And I was training in the Holy Spirit and the giftings of the Holy Spirit and and uh, just, I'd have Zach go up on the keyboards and just play a little bit. 
and then we would just flow out of that. And uh, I felt that. I feel that every Wednesday night when we're here. You know, you can just move right over into that realm of ministry. But the Holy Spirit's so good. Isaiah 10, 27, of course, one of my favorite scriptures. Shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder. See, sin is taken off of your shoulder and his yoke from your neck, the thing that binds us and holds us down. Uh, some people it could be addiction to alcohol or addiction to drugs or addiction to other things, addiction to laziness. I mean, it could be an addiction to anything. But the enemy tries to put this yoke on us so he removes the yoke, the burden's taken off of our shoulder and the yoke from our neck. And the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. And it's not just talking about oil in a bottle, but it's really talking about the flowing of the Holy Spirit, the anointing. The anointing is a marking. You know, when they anointed, when Samuel anointed David as king, he didn't just put a little bit on his finger and do the sign of the cross or something. He took that out of his bottle and just dumped it all over David. I mean, it's all over his hair, all over his, if he had a beard, I don't think he had a beard then, he was a young guy. But uh, he, it just poured all over him. And that's the kind of anointing. I think Psalm 133 talks about the anointing that flows from Aaron's beard down to the, the robe and then to the, you know, from the crown to the beard to the robe to the ground, you know. There's such an anointing that flows down from the lordship to the leadership to the fellowship, as Brother Garland always said it. You know, it just flows all the way down. And that's how... In church, when we have that flow and everybody's entering in, you feel it from the front to the back, from the side to the side. You know, you just get filled up with that presence. Second Corinthians 5.17, it's a verse I use many times. But therefore, if anyone is in Christ, in the anointing, Christ is the anointed position for salvation. If you're in the anointing for salvation... He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All the old things pass away when that anointing is released, the anointing of Christ. He never leaves you the same in the name of Jesus Christ. He changes you, and he makes you different. You know, it doesn't matter where you were, what you used to do. When you give your life completely to Him, things change. You change. Your heart changes. Your life changes. Your home changes. Your family changes. The whole thing changes. You know, my wife's a good mother. And back when we were having a revival in 1998 there in the church in Homestead, or in Narantia, Homestead was actually south of where the church was. But uh, our speaker was really a demonstration of the glory of God. And, and uh, 
speaker's wife told my wife, you need to get prayer. She says, oh, but it's getting late and I need to get the kids home and get them in bed and get them snacks, get them bathed in bed. She was like that. She was a wise lady. And she said, well, she went up and told her husband, come here, Jerry. Just I want you to pray for her first. And so he prayed for Lucia and the anointing that was there in that altar that night was so tremendous and powerful. She danced in the Holy Spirit for like an hour. The kids didn't get to go home early. They didn't get their snack early. They didn't get their bath or get in bed early. They were there in the presence of it all. And, you know, I don't know what my kids were doing, whether they ran around or what. Zach, I don't know if you remember that. Uh, 1998, you were seven years old. But uh, it was just so powerful. Chelsea was like, what, one, two, one or two years old. M Millie or somebody must have been watching you, or Debbie Lorenzo or Julie Pierce, somebody. We had ladies that loved our kids and would help with them. But she was just up there. It was like she had this special dance. I wanted to call it the crazy chicken dance, but you know I don't want to offend the Holy Spirit. But I mean, she was just funky chicken. That's what I was. She was just dancing up there. No. Only faster. You couldn't stop it. We didn't start it. We couldn't stop it until she was done. When she was done, it was done. But I don't know what altogether happened. I think she, she changed a little bit more. She became... A lot wilder in the Holy Ghost. I know that. Wow. It was awesome. But he makes us a new creature. You can't keep the old ways, the old things anymore. Uh, anyhow, I started to say something, but I won't. Statement, the second statement I want to make is this. The Holy Spirit always points to Jesus Christ. He doesn't just showcase himself. He always shows the character, nature, and the glory of Jesus. And so, you know, when you have it, you're going to really receive it in a great measure. I mean, he just reveals Jesus Christ in your life. Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 8, and we're going to look at different ones, but let's go ahead and look there. Uh, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And then, I could go into those other verses, but above it stood seraphim, that's angels. Each one had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. That's like a Christian rock concert. <laughs> and then, so I said, Woe is me, for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, 
the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken from with the tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your iniquity is taken away, and your sin purged. <coughs> also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. Is that the last of it? Okay. Anyway, it changed him so completely. He went from being unclean and not understanding the presence of the glory of God to somebody said, hey, how about me? Take me. Use me. And the Lord will. He'll do something powerful and great if you let him. Uh, we're going to look at some things here briefly. In verse 1, it it showed us that he had to, there had to be a death in the year that King Uzziah died. Something dies so that something new can come forth. And so something dies to allow the new thing to come forth. Isaiah 43, verse 16 through 21 tells us about the new thing. It says, Thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters. Let me turn this way. Who brings forth the chariot and horse, the army and the power. They shall lie down together. They shall not rise. They are extinguished. They are quenched like a wick. Do not remember the former things. Okay, we talked about this is how I fight my battles tonight and a song, right? Well, the Lord wins the battle and then he says, Now don't remember the former things nor consider the things of old. That's kind of partly religious too. Don't remember the good old days. They're in the past. We don't need the good old days. They weren't as good as you really thought they were. I can tell you that. They can be better days. Behold, I will, not I might, I could, but he said, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beast of the field will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. The, this people I have formed for myself. They shall declare my praise. They'll bring forth the praise unto the Lord. See, he's going to do a new thing. He'll even make the ones that are the most unruly, the jackals, my goodness, you know, they're, they're something else. And the, and the ostriches running around, sticking their head in the sand. The jackals cackling and like the hyenas and whatever. But the wild beast of the field. But there's a lot of wild people out there. 
You know, when revival hits, Randy, wow, people get saved. I mean, it's exciting. I, back in uh, Naranja, when we were in the midst of revival, I mean to tell you, some people got saved that you never could have imagined would get saved. It was crazy. I remember a New Year's Eve service, and we were praying for people, and we prayed for my head usher's wife. He, he had been with us since before I even came there, and this was probably, I don't know how many years later, but it was a good probably six or seven years after I'd gone there. We're having this great service, and we prayed for her. Her name was Elizabeth, and uh, she was up in years. She had a crooked leg. Her leg was so bowed. I don't know if it's from an accident, from arthritis, but she had to walk with a cane because her one leg was so crooked. And I'll never forget, she was Catholic. She didn't come to our church. She didn't mind George coming to our church, but he couldn't convince her just to come to our church. Except the funny thing is, when she needed prayer for her sickness or whatever, she said, take me to the church. I want Pastor Kevin to pray for me. Well, I prayed for her that night with somebody else. I forget who it was. But we laid hands on her. She was one of the last people we prayed for going into the new year. And her leg began to shake. I mean, you know, I can't even make my leg shake like that. But it was just shaking, Daniel, and it wouldn't stop. And he didn't know what to do. We had to take the chair with her in it. I had to get a couple of the big guys, and they picked her up, and they carried her out to the parking lot and then got her out of the chair and put her into the car seat. And uh, then George took her home. And I, I think maybe somebody had to go follow him so they could help him get her out of the car into the house. Well, he called me the next day. He said, Pastor. I said, yeah, what's going on, George? He said, my wife's leg is still shaking. What do I do? I said, don't get in the way of it. She might kick you. I said, just let it shake. And so then he called me the next day. He said, Pastor. I said, what? He said, Elizabeth's leg is still shaking. It won't stop. It shook all night, two nights in a row, ever since you prayed for her. And the third day, he called me and said, Pastor, I said, is it still shaking? He said, no, it finally stopped. And when it stopped, it wasn't crooked anymore. It wasn't bowed. I mean, it was a real big bow, too. I mean, it was like that, you know. And it was straight as an arrow after. And so she came and testified to it. She could walk fine without a cane after that. God had healed her leg. And... But see, that's what happens when you have the spirit of revival, the presence of the Lord. When it's great like that, I didn't make that leg shake. I, didn't, I just prayed for her. She wanted prayer. A lot of times we pray, just like the man that I told you about. I was going to pray for him in the wheelchair in Guadalajara. And they started shouting. I asked Isaac what was going on. He told me, he says, they said that God opened his blind eyes. I said, I didn't even touch his eyes. I was praying for his legs to be healed. Oops, we missed. <laughs> we hit his eyes instead of his legs. 
No, the anointing did what he needed, what he wanted. He'd rather see than walk. I don't blame him, you know. But I've seen so many great things out of the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's just amazing what God does. But the Holy Spirit's always moving. But something has to die so that something new can come along. The old man has to die and a new man has to raise up. Yeah. You know, I see these young men here and I think about maybe where they were two or three years ago, what they were up to. Bryson says, you don't want to know. I was a young man at one time. I don't want anybody to know what all I was up to either when I was 20 years old. But I know this, once you cross that line and God transforms you, then he begins to move you into things. Yeah. And I felt like the Lord wanted me to let you know, Bryson, that his hand is so firmly upon your life and it's from generations ago. There's a thread and it's the one that reaches and grabs that thread of the generation that gets the prize. And I don't know what your brother's doing or anybody else, I don't need to know, but it seems like you're the one grabbing a hold of the thread. And God's going to tie you into what he's doing. And he's got plans for you. And he's going to make a way for you that people are going to be amazed at. And your testimony is going to be great because of where you were and where you're going. And when, when you get a, even a little farther down the road, you're going to be able to proclaim the word of the Lord through your testimony because Revelation 19 and 10 says for the spirit of Jesus or the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. You will at some point begin to prophesy and you're going to have to be in these services, I'm not saying with me, but with me and with the ministry that is prophetic. So when you hear that Maybe I'm going to teach on the prophetic or something. You need to be in those, uh, those teachings. I know John wants to. But it's, it's going to be empowering to you. Because he's going to open your mind. See, this is how it's going to work. It's first going to begin to work through your sleep. Right now, you might be, do you listen to CDs and not podcasts and all that? All the time, don't you? Well, that works too, but he's going to get down into your subconscious mind. And literally, you're going to remember the Word of God that you might have heard on a podcast or you read out of your Bibles. And by the way, this is for anybody and everybody here tonight and those even watching. But... He's going to speak to you. And where's the fastest, easiest place to start? We try too hard in our conscious mind. Somebody was talking about dreams recently. Who was that? Who? 
Zach, that was Zach talking about dreams, how God will talk to you. Yeah, you'll dream about your future. But he's going to start with your dreams and then your sleep. I used to dream when I was not married very long, and I dream I was preaching in a building that looked kind of like uh, a Winn-Dixie grocery store, only all the shelves were gone, and there was chairs in there. It had doors like you go when you go in the, the grocery store. You know how the doors swing open, you hit the little pad and walk in? Well, there was no more shelves, it was chairs and a platform and all in there. And I saw myself up there, and I saw myself stepping off that platform, preaching, and I saw a lady, I called out a word of knowledge, this lady raised her hand that that was her, and I walked over there and I put my hand on her head and I began to pray. And in the middle of that dream, I woke up, and I was on my back with my hand up in the air like that. I mean, the activation was in my dream. Now, this is the spooky part. Was I really there? In the future? Or was I there then by the Spirit? Did I transport? See, the enemy, he, he tries to come up with all this hocus-pocus stuff, you know, about whatever. I don't even know all the lingo, but how through the mystical world you can go through and go places. Well, God speaks to us in dreams. I know that one day I'm going to be doing that, and I'm going to say, oh, man, I remember that. It was in one of my dreams. Yeah. But I tell you, just take my hand right now. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, let it start in their dreams. Let it get them in their heart, and let them be like an easel that you paint a painting, a portrait on, of what you're going to have them involved in. Yeah, just show them, Lord. Let it be colorful, vibrant, and real, as if they were there. And when they wake up, they'll be stunned and shook up. But Lord, let it start there in the name of Jesus. And I see he's just going to show you many things that way. And John, just let it begin in your dreams. You'll probably call out and it'll wake Chelsea up. You'll probably awaken Savannah when this starts to happen. And you'll say, I was, it was so real. I can't believe it. It's so real because it is real. It just may be a, in the future or it may have been happening just in another plane. Yeah. Many times... You know, sometimes in the Bible they'd say, Paul said, I don't know if I was in or out of my body, but I was caught up to the third heaven, to the throne room of God, where God spoke to him. So we know we can be in or out of our bodies in the supernatural, in the spiritual. Things can happen. Randy's been having dreams, haven't you? I can see you've been dreaming things and... God's working on you. The, the, you know, a song, when I was talking about trigger songs, there's certain songs that trigger me in the Spirit. One of them I'm just going to share with you here. It's in the notes. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might. 
Heaven and earth are filled with your glory. Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. I took a crew down to the Superdome when I was about 25 years old before I ever met Lucia. I had a bunch of young adults from my college and career group and we were down there witnessing and KISS was in concert in the Superdome. And there was like 60,000 people there. It was unbelievable. And all these people start coming out of the concert. And we started just talking to people, witnessing to them. But while KISS was performing inside the Superdome, we had like 200 people outside singing this song to the top of our voices. You know how eerie that sounded? They were in there trying to do all their stuff, and we were out there, holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might. I mean, it was, Hosanna. 200 people blasting it. Hosanna in the highest. And I mean, it raised the hair on the back of your neck. Those people started coming out, and they were so open to hearing the gospel. It was amazing. But the second thing is in verses 2 and 3 as it shared, and that was where he, he, uh, he saw this angel and all the wings, six wings and so on, and then they, one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Well, holiness flows from the glory of God. Holiness and glory flow together. That's why the feeling we have when some of these songs are sung and, and the presence of God is lifted up so powerfully, it's just tremendous. you know. So in uh, Revelation 4, 1 through 11 gives us a description where it says, Technical difficulties, okay. Let me see if I can find it here. Um, I could read along. You got it? Okay, let's read it on the screen then. After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. Isn't that awesome? And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here! And I will show you what must take place after this. I like it when the Lord says, come up here. Come into another realm. You know, some people in end times think that's when the rapture takes place. When it says, come up here. Whew, here we went. <laughs> but he says, uh, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald and circled the throne. Man, you're talking about green and red and, and like a brown-looking type of uh, almost, I don't know. Anyway, uh, all these sparklies. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, 
peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. What do you see in this room right here? Richard Jones airbrushed these banners for me. And that's those creatures. There's the lion. And I told Richard when he was going to do it. I said, I don't want a passive lion. I want one that's about to roar. And then the ox, and he made the ox, you know, that has the styrofoam thing back there, but, you know, it's a wooden yoke on it. But it's strength. And then back there, the face of the man, if you look at the banner, if you go up close to it, you'll see the eyeballs, the world, how the man can see the world. And then the eagle, without vision, people perish. If you got the eye of the eagle, you can see an object the size of a dime two miles up in the atmosphere, down on the grass. That's how powerful an eagle's eye is. Incredible, the vision of the eagle. That's why I don't want any of my little grandkids running around the yard if there's a big eagle outside, because their talons are so big, they could just come and grab their little shoulders and carry them off somewhere into the brush or on top of a mountain. Uh, that, that brings fear, I'm sorry. Actually, I was more worried about my little dog, Tito, back in the day, because he's only about nine pounds at the time. He could have got carried away real easy. But you see, what a description here. The four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, Okay. I could read it. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Of course, that trigger song is the one I remember. It's actually part of these verses. To him who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb, to him who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. Be blessing and honor and glory forever and ever. Maybe I'm not the greatest singer, but you get the picture. He's on the throne. Wow. He's the Lamb. Takes away the sins of the world. He's also the lion of the tribe of Judah. And when he roars, it petrifies the enemy. How powerful God is.
Yes. And in Matthew chapter 9, the third statement is glory exposes our sin nature when the glory of God comes. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, Follow me. So he arose and followed him. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house, that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. I think Jesus was so cool. He didn't just hang out with the spirit-filled people. He went and sat where all the sinners were, the tax collectors. I like sitting around incognito, not having everybody know what I really am until they're ready. When the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus heard that. He said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Anyway, not yet. <laughs> but you see, they, he went where people were that needed the mercy of God. The Pharisees didn't want that. They wanted to find everything wrong with him. You know, kind of like it is with preachers today. Oh, man, he's got earrings, or he's got tattoo, or he's got long hair or he's not wearing a tie. I thought that was so funny. Ellie was there, he came and he preached. He said, this is my uniform. And he had his tie and his suit and his tie on. And uh, I, I was going to tell him, well, I, I work for a different company, I guess. And <laughs> that's not my uniform, <laughs> except for weddings and funerals <laughs> and holidays and special occasions. But... Uh, that's all right, he can have that. That's all I'm all for. When I go to his church, I'll make sure I take a tie with me and a coat. But, you know, the whole deal is how do people feel when they're around you? Are they afraid to be honest? You know how many people I get around them and all of a sudden they're talking? I had that guy that showed up on the doorstep out here Saturday and he had all, all these rocks and he said, oh, the... You know, the demonic people were etching these little things and all the rocks. He said, you can find them everywhere. And I was thinking, man, don't you know that rocks get etchings all over them over time? I mean, he was talking like, well, the witches get these rocks and then they come put them on your property. And he's trying to figure out what, what it was saying. Well, I didn't see no letters or anything myself, but... It was all right if he saw it. I, I listened to him. But he said, I need help. These witches are out to get me. His father was a male witch. His mother was a witch. His, his sisters were witches. All his friends, he used to cook meth and all kinds of stuff. He said he was the biggest meth cooker in Donovan area. You know, and he had been to prison for it and come back out. And He said they were all out to get him. And he said... They're just all over the place. I said, yeah, but don't you know the grace of God's a lot more powerful? I said, 
you know, I don't care if there's riding on those rocks. Throw them on the ground. I'll walk all over them because Jesus said the enemy's under our feet. You know? I wasn't trying to poke fun at him. I was trying to get him to let go. I said, do you? And then he wanted to argue with me about the Sabbath, you know, that I should be having Sabbath on Saturday. I said, look, I have the Sabbath every day of the week. I rest a little bit and I witness a little bit and I praise the Lord some. I eat with my family and friends. I said, the Sabbath is every day for me. I'm not legalistic about it. I said, do you want me to pray for you or not? Yeah, 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 I want you to pray for me. Okay, well, can I lay my hands on you? He said, yes. So I prayed for him. Then, then he looked at me and says, can you give me a ride home? <laughs> I said, yeah, but put the rocks in the back. And I took him home, and he took the rocks out. And if he comes, he comes. But you know what? I'm not going to get ca caught up in sacrifice. Jesus has already sacrificed it all. He's already given it all. We don't need a bunch of other sacrifices. I'm not going to be guilty if I'm doing something on Saturday. Saturday, I usually am relaxed anyway. I'm usually resting on Saturdays. I try to, you know, unless I'm at the men's breakfast, and then I labor over the buffet, the buffet. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's okay. Jesus is good every day of the week. I don't just give him lip service, and then on Saturday, I, that's my big day to worship him, or on Sunday, I love to come to church because that's when we have family reunions. We're not coming here out of obligation. We're coming to rejoice and party in the Spirit. We've got to learn to loosen up a little bit more and let the Spirit flow, you know. See, God, He wants to move in us. He wants us to be real to people. And that's that song Jack Campbell wrote many years ago. He and my dad uh, started a church in uh, Gideon, Missouri called Crossroads Assembly back in the 50s. Before I was born, I don't know when, 52, 54, something like that. But anyway, Jack Campbell was one of the leaders with my dad. Of course, Jack was about that tall. My dad was about that tall. But they sang. And Jack wrote a song, Jesus used me. Please, Lord, don't refuse me. Surely there's a work that I can do. And even though it's humble, Lord, make my will to crumble. Though the cost be great, I'll work for you. Jesus, use me. Yeah, wherever we go, man, let's go invade some places. Let's not just go to the Holy Joe uh, snack bar. Yeah, I don't know. I just made it up. Nelson wants to try it out. <laughs> but we want to go where people are that need Jesus. We can't be worried about if they're not right on. Now, don't eat stuff offered to idols. James told them that. Don't fornicate. Don't eat stuff offered to idols and don't drink blood or whatever. You know, there's a lot of people that drink blood. In Kenya, the warriors, the Maasai warriors, cut that vein of the cow, 
get a little bucket under it, get a bunch of blood, and then they slap mud on the cow to stop the bleeding. And then they drink the cow's blood. That's idolatry. It's evil. James said, don't do it. In Italy, they'll get the blood, and after they get some of that blood from, you know, uh, you know, sac- not sacrificing, but, you know, butchering the cow or whatever, and they'll pour that blood or the chicken or whatever, they'll pour blood right into the skillet, and they'll make what they call blood gravy. And they'll eat the blood. They'll drink the blood out of that on top of their food. He said, don't do that. See, the blood represents life. Life was in the blood. So if you do that, it's idolatry. Anyway, I ought to wrap this up because I can tell you some of y'all are getting hungry or something. Number four, let me just say it like this. Out of verses 6 and 7 of Isaiah 6, it talks about the fact that repentance brings the purging of sin. When the fire of God comes down in our midst, it causes repentance and it purges us from sin. And I'm not going to read all these verses, but you can look it up on your own. Luke chapter 8, 26 through 39 is a good story for you. And then number five, we're sent, we're called, and we're anointed. Book of Acts chapter 9, you'll find out a lot about that. But anyway, I'm going to end there so I don't wear you out. But I know this, the anointing of the presence of Jesus in your life changes things. And it changes people. And I know this, I can go places and after talking to me for a little bit, I can ask them sometimes, do you want me to pray for you? Oh, would you? Have y'all had that experience? Just try it. It's amazing how many people will react in a positive way. Yeah, pray for me. Help me. How many want to be used of Jesus? You, you like that song, Jesus, use me. Well, if you are, stand to your feet. I'll pray for you to be used. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that every person that heard this message tonight, that they will grab a hold of the fact that the anointing of the Holy Spirit in their lives changes things, changes them, helps them to change others. So be with them as they leave this place today and let them have a mission to accomplish, and that's to win others to know you and bring them into our family and into the kingdom of God. In Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Well, go do it like Nike. The victory. Just do it.